designed with women in mind as we delve into what it means to be a true follower of Christ and how to navigate our daily lives, my prayer is simply that my speech will be theologically sound and that our words will be encouraging and life-giving. We will have different guests in the weeks to come and will be looking from various perspectives while staying ever true to God's Word. The title of the podcast is Beautiful Imperfection, As we go about our busy, chaotic lives, we tend to focus on the doing and not the being of who God created us to be. We sometimes get it backwards. In this podcast, we will discuss from week to week the being, our identity in Christ, produces the doing, and that the doing is an overflow of who we are in Him. We are imperfect in every way, but Jesus is perfect. The beauty in our imperfection is Him. So wherever you are in your season of life, if you're in your car, in your laundry room, or sitting in your favorite chair, grab a cup of coffee and take a deep breath. Relax and listen in as we look and talk about what being in Christ really means and how the Bible explains that it is not our imperfection that makes or breaks us, but that it is his perfection that covers us and that we can find rest in that promise. Then we serve him out of an abundance of love that only comes through him. Lean in with us. Here we go. Okay, Rontia, you left off talking about the decision that you made. Can you you just kind of lead us into the processes of what was happening in your life? So I was um, in college, um, probably junior, senior, about to graduate, and I had came forward in church on a Wednesday night um, that God had called me into the mission field. I'd already went on mission trips and and been doing these things, and for the first time in my life, I really felt as though I was meeting the Holy Spirit, aside from the initial contact of salvation, and I, I never questioned my salvation but the Holy Spirit in having fruit of the Spirit outside of what I'm supposed to do, being a good girl versus actually what I feel in my soul to be and do, um, you know, and the patience, the generosity, uh, you know, those those things that you can only get and have and understanding that you, you can't just have one, you're going to have all of them because it's not fruits of the Spirit, it is fruit of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And um, instead of just doing what I'm supposed to do because it's how I was raised. And, um, and so I came forward, I was ready to commit to, uh, mission work. The family who was there as missionaries had a tie to Southwestern Seminary Mm -hmm. and they wanted me to go there to grad school. So I was like going to be in it. And I was like, okay, well, you know, when, because when I graduate, I'm supposed to go be a television reporter. Mm -hmm. And, um, I'd always wanted to be a journalist. I always wanted to work with sports, um, so I, I love basketball, I love football, baseball. Um, you know, if you can win it or lose it, if it's you know, <laughs> if the ball has threads, you know, yeah. I will, I will race you. You know, whatever we got to do. Um, I I like the competition. I like the stories that come out of it. I like the atmosphere, mm-hmm. and um, and I love live television, breaking news atmosphere, and, and that sports is a lot of that because it's something you can't, you don't know what's going to happen. It's not predictable. So um, so that was the draw of my career and what I'd always wanted to do. And, um, and I had super committed to it. I was already working at a television station there in West Virginia part-time. I had interned. And it wasn't about, at this time, the um, I never thought about 
the fame of being a journalist, which mm-hmm. now that's pretty much a lot of journalists thing, you know, mm-hmm. is, is the fame of it. But then thank goodness TikTok was invented. And um, now a lot of those people are diverting away from being journalists. They're just going straight they're to TikTok. TikTok. Yeah, they're just they're TikTokers. They're TikTokers. They're YouTube sensations. So that's pulled a lot of those people out of being journalists. But, um, but that's at that time in the 90s, that's the only place people had an outlet to be seen. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I mean, heck, this is like the internet wasn't even like, a reliable source, not that it is now, but, um, <laughs> but you couldn't even cite it on a term paper back then. Yeah. And you know, that's you, true. Yeah. We yeah. could, we were, the internet was not a source, right? Lindsay? Right. We had to go to, to the books and and had to at this point in time. Yeah. Yes. We are old, yes. I guess, yeah. but <laughs> we had to go to the books. So I'm so sure that's not a bad thing. No. That's true. <laughs> no, but now they can just like look up a term paper, you know, online and, uh, and cite a website. But at this time that had not, you know, happened. So, um, you had to really, you know, be in it and be that um, that journalist who just lived, eat, breathed news, sports, whatever, and just it consumed your life. And um, I was thinking about this last night after you uh, text me about this and the word con- consumed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like as I went, and that's why maybe fire is associated with hell and Satan and the devil and the evil one and those things is because fire consumes mm. and destroys. And, um, and then of course we hear in, um, you know, beauty for ashes later mm-hmm. because God takes those ashes and makes something beautiful out of it. Right. Right. So I definitely feel like consume is the right word. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, I can't go be a missionary. I got to go do this guys. Like I just got an internship at Southern living. I'm moving to Alabama after graduation. I I'll go to Southwestern when I'm done with this. Mm-hmm. And I shut that door on God, on my calling. Cause here I've been waiting my whole life to have a calling and to have God talk just to me, not to me because of who I was growing up. And I, I shut him out and turned it down. So I, you know, that, that was pretty much a pivotal point in my life where to me, um, I felt like, okay, I've done all the right things. I've done what I was supposed to do. I got out of the small hometown I grew up in and went to college and got a degree and, uh, can take care of myself. You know, my mom had always pushed me to do that. She was married at 18. Um, she did not want her daughters to have narrow choices in their lives. She wanted us to be able to, um, take care of ourselves, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, so she, uh, made my parents proud, you know, put it that Mm -hmm. way. So how could, how could God not be proud too? You know, that was because we're looking from my thinking of a very immature young Christian thinking, because even though I was 22 and had been saved for 10 years and, and had Jesus in my heart always, um, how, could that not be what he wanted me to do, right? Because mm-hmm. it's what my parents wanted me to do. It's what my parents expected. I went to college and that we paid all this money for me to do this and be a journalist. How could God expect me to just throw all that away? And that's what where I was coming from in the thinking. And now looking back at that, it's like, okay, this was one of those first true tests that we we get and I failed it big time well on the surface Uh, level too it didn't look like a bad ordeal right Right. again so there was so much positivity around like this career and what you were doing but then there was this option that was most like you know eternal that you Mm -hmm. just didn't realize how big that opportunity was either yeah and you're right Lindsay and surface level what we're talking about what it looked like what are Mm -hmm. the optics here you know the optics are small town girl makes good, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And, um, and so I, I turned that down. Um, I pretty much 
because of life and the time we were in, had lost connection with the missionaries that I had met and who had been, you know, discipling me all through college and pretty much got me through college um, and left that town, moved to Alabama. And, um, and I was alone. Oh my gosh. So alone, like so alone in Alabama, did nothing. Um, got to work at Southern Progress, Southern Living and, and learn publishing and things. And, and basically that kind of tied to, um, my want to kind of learn that side of journalism to make me better at television journalism. So, um, so I did some stuff that was op-ed type stuff and, um, and print and then got my first TV job in Pennsylvania. And I thought, oh my gosh, here, I'm making $19,000 a year, and I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm living in a 200-square-foot garage. Y'all don't laugh over here, the youngins <laughs> over here, because that was some serious money back then. That was that serious was money. amazing, right? Yeah. I was living in this lady's garage. She had turned into, like, a one-bedroom apartment that still had, like, the drain in the middle, mm-hmm. and, um, <laughs> and it was, like, this one-room mess. And I uh, had like the cement floors mm-hmm. in Pennsylvania in November. Ooh, so oh, cold. So cold. And um, and so I was in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. And um, every day of my life in Johnstown, Pennsylvania, I made a resume tape to get out of Johnstown, Pennsylvania. <laughs> in the middle of the night. In the middle of the night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, like, would, we would work a shift and then I'd be like in there editing, you know, like, you know, doing everything. I'm like, okay. And then like that was making a tape literally. So it's then you had to make a tape and copy a tape and mail a VHS tape out to the next small town that you wanted to get out of. Um, so there was like zero growth in my life during that time. I was in an awful relationship, um, too, that was not healthy at all. And, um, and thankfully I got out of that and, and started like maybe turning a corner and, um, and then I got a job in West Virginia, back where I was from, but it's in the southern part of the state, so away from where I went to college. And I was I had worked my way to be an anchor. That first job, I was a producer, so I was all fair. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I got to fill an anchor, and that was, you know, I'd make that tape. And so then I got that on-air job, which I had been wanting. But, like, still, I was empty inside. And I say empty like nothing, you know? Mm-hmm. I saw my life as, like, I'm a failure in life if I don't reach this by the time I'm 30. And I was not meeting those benchmarks. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't setting spiritual goals. I wasn't reading my Bible. I wasn't doing anything. But I still looked like I was. Mm-hmm. It still gave the appearance of Rontina's doing it right. But I was just nothing. Mm-hmm. Spiritually, nothing. I didn't do anything wrong. I just didn't do anything right either, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I wasn't just kind of um, stuck. Just flying by. Yeah. yeah. But because everybody thought I was doing well, I'm doing well, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. So it gave you that. That was enough to keep you going. The confidence. Because you just thought, yeah, mm-hmm. everybody else thinks this is going great, so it's okay. Yeah. How can and I complain? Can, yeah. Right. right. And, and, and not that those are bad things, that you're searching for new positions or whatever it is that you feel like that you need to accomplish in your life. <coughs> Excuse me. But even the good things can numb us and take us away from Mm -hmm. the spiritual things. We Mm -hmm. have a tendency to think that the bad things will either make or break us. Um, But the good things that are there can do the same thing if our focus is in the wrong Mm -hmm. place. Um, And a lot of times we think about, you know, worshiping God. We only do that in the good times anyway, right? Well, no, that's not true because sometimes most of our worship and growth and those kinds of things like the bible says comes from the trials in our life Mm -hmm. and you really 
weren't going through a trial per se, even though you felt like it just, it was just kind of nothingness like and you're just kind of sitting, yeah, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. all over again. Yeah. And um, I think there's that, that one thing, if I could think of the audience in, even in our own lives, we've all experienced that mm-hmm. at some point. Um, and how do we, you know, get out of Groundhog Day? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what do we do next and how do we start to grow in that? Yeah. Yeah, and that's and so what I did next uh, because you know God, I got this. Like mm-hmm. I, I've right. listened to you. I've read. I know these things. I'm. I've been a good girl. So next, it's a great idea to get married. Okay, so mm-hmm. I'm like in my twenties, and I was dating someone who was like, oh, you know, I've been married before. Maybe we should live together first, see how this goes, or. Um, you know, I, he was a dad and had a young child and loved the kid and all that. And like, everything was going well. And it's like, okay, so now let's play house. So I decided that, you know, I've done all these great things and, you know, everybody says, everybody says that I'm doing great. (laughs) So I must be doing great. Didn't feel great. Um, and from that point on, that was where I really, that's what like the last episode said, started like wrecking my own life was, um, I didn't consult God. I didn't consult my own heart in my heart. I knew it was wrong. I ended up having like these awful, awful medical things happen too, because I was, it was literally like eating me alive. The fact that I was living with someone, um, my stomach would get all messed up. I had ulcers. I had, um, ulcerative colitis. I was like messed up, just horrible, horrible, um, health problems. And, um, ended up having like gallbladder attacks and kidney stones, like all these things that I never had had before in my life because I physically was ill for the decisions I was making. But because I did not know what to do, I didn't do anything, but just keep going on, (laughs) keep going down the wrong road because I didn't know what to do because I thought, well, gosh, I turned down God that one time. Who am I to ask him again? to get me out of something or to help me because how I was raised and not from my parents, but in that community is that, you know, and this is funny because here at cross life, you know, we do this and please everybody, this is my disclaimer. This is how I grew up. This is not what I believe now. Okay. Um, so multiple baptisms and things like that. Um, so to me, I was always told and raised and I believe in the word that once you have salvation, I'll start over. That's all Andre. We got to grease that yeah, door. <laughs> That's all. I'm uh, yes, but um, but so how I was raised, and I'll say my disclaimer to my cross life family is: I believe we're doing it right. Let me put it that way. I believe we're doing it biblically and what God says to do. But where I was raised, um, a lot of the small independent churches in the country mm-hmm. believed that, and and still believe in practice, which is part of my my issue of where I grew up if you can lose your salvation and you have to come back and repent. And if you go on a bender or, or cheat on your wife or your husband, or you cheat on your taxes or you make a mistake, you're kicked out of heaven. You're going to hell, Mm -hmm. you know, and that you made a decision that's sending you to hell. And the only way to recover from that is then to re go through salvation, get Mm -hmm. baptized again. And we would, dunk the same guy six times a year you know what I mean oh, yeah. <laughs> like, because because he decided to go out for the fourth of July or something well he um, knows you know, he can come back he, he dunked again so why exactly. not so we were kind of you know practicing that so um I 
not that that's what I believed in. It wasn't what I what we did in my church. Like I said, I grew up in a Southern Baptist church that did believe in a lot of the ways and the things we do here at Cross Life, and and also just amongst that. But there's a lot of independent churches where I grew up too, like holler churches, churches that are family churches, and 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 they've grown to believe like that's what you need to do. I don't think it's Bible based, but at that time I didn't know that right because I had not gotten into the Word the way I should have. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, well, I have salvation. I haven't done anything enough to, like, lose my salvation, but I haven't done anything. I, I missed my one chance, though, with God, mm-hmm. you know, because I didn't do what God called me to do that one time. You're not continuing to grow. Yeah, and, and then I felt like I, I ruined it. So mm-hmm. I just kept ruining it because I didn't realize you can go back to God um, every day with when, when you ruin it, and every day you start over and you forgive yourself and you do things. But at that time, I was raised in this mentality that you only get that one big mistake in your life, and then your life goes off the rails. Um, And that's a very, I think, Appalachian mentality anyway, because once somebody messed up there, lots of times their life did go off the rails. You know, Um, I think that's, you know. They're not good enough. Yeah, not good enough. I'm not worthy anymore. Also, this is the time of that purity culture that, like, people would hold up like a dirty dish rag and be like, do you want this to be you? This is what your husband will get if you kiss a guy or do anything. You know, it's like it's like that that mentality that scarred a lot of women my age. Yeah. Um, and a lot of y'all out there listening know what I'm talking about. Um, and the people doing the purity rings and the things like that. And like it, it w- had a well-meant place, mm-hmm. but like it went too far. Right. So, um, so yeah, I made the mistake. I lived with a boyfriend and, um, and just kind of started making mistakes from there where um, that relationship was doomed from the beginning. You know, it wasn't who I was meant to marry, obviously, but we never were going to get there living together. And um, and I've had friends since then talk about like, oh, I'm going to, I'm like, don't do it. I was like, I'm not telling you just because like, it's not what we're supposed to do, but I'm telling you because literally if you want to marry that guy, you're never going to, if you live together, mm-hmm. like, uh, like, sorry. It just does not work. Um, and and so that's my advice out there. If there's somebody listening who's going through that, like, it, oh, yeah, Should it makes I? financial sense. Oh, yeah. Oh, it, we're always together anyway. And why mm-hmm. have two houses? And mm-hmm. we can save to get the ring or the house or the whatever. Save Y'all, for the marriage. Yeah, yeah, no, save it. Uh, trust me, you do not want to own a house with a man that you can't legally leave. Um <laughs> <laughs> If you have a way to do that, because uh, my husband and I just yesterday were like arguing about stuff and it's like, well, he can't leave and I can't leave. We're in a covenant. You know, we're here. (laughs) (laughs) But when you don't have that promise, that contract, you know, those things happen. So, um, so I did that. And then, you know, that ended horribly up in flames, consumed by that. And, um, but my career was going great. So I had gotten a job in a bigger market and moved away. And um, in those two and a half years, became the stereotypical party girl of of my 20s Uh, went out every night worked like three to midnight so the shift was great for that right you go to work at three you get done with the late news and then you go out with your friends till four and then you get up at noon and you know do it all over again again. and that was my life in uh, Cincinnati and I loved my time in Cincinnati and met some wonderful friends but but um, I was not living for the Lord at that time of my life at all, although I thought I was, again, like, because it's like, you, I believed it, I believed in him, I'm saved, I, I'm i going to go to heaven, I'm going to do this, but I wasn't doing anything for Jesus here on earth, like, zero, I, and I didn't feel like I was doing anything to hurt him either, but I learned that 
you know, as well that, Uh um, that going out and doing those things and, um, not being in my calling in him and listening to him, that was hurting him too and hurting any, any Christian who, who loved me. But, but I didn't have any Christian love in my life either. You know, I might Mm -hmm. pop into church and be a creaster or a couple times and in the Christmas summer. And yeah, Christmas and, you and had Easter. nothing else better <laughs> yeah. to do. Yeah. Exactly. So. Oh, I'm supposed to go to church, you know. So so I definitely had like started just making horrible decisions and it all came from not knowing enough and not believing enough that God had already factored in all of my faults, all of my stupidity, all of my shortcomings when he gave me my calling Mm -hmm. because I ask all the time, like the why me Lord and the, um, are you sure about this? Like, you know, second guessing. And then I hear myself with my kids. I'll say, Aurora, are you trying to outthink me? Are you, do you think you're smarter than me? Like I've got this. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, that must be what God has been saying to me this whole time. (laughs) Do you think you're smarter than me? Are you trying to outthink me, Rontina? Like I've got this, like I'm everywhere. I'm the eternity. I'm before I'm after I'm always and uh and so you know I got to where when I say I was consumed and shallow um to where it started eating at my soul in a very dark way mm-hmm. yeah I'm gonna stop here for today ah, ah see there you go so um we want to pick up again but um I would just like to to say that in that season sometimes we need to step back to the childlike faith when we hear our children and see things in our children and realize that, hey, that must be what God's doing to me. He's trying to get my attention and my face in his hands and say, look at me mm-hmm. and I can help you with all this. Mm-hmm. So, um, Amen to that. Uh, yeah. So we'll pick up here next week. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you have gleaned something of value that will help you in your day-to-day lives and draw you closer to living fully in who God designed you to be. Until next time, you are beautiful in His sight. If you've been thinking and listening to us and wondering, how can this become a reality in my life? How How can my identity be in Christ? and you've never received him, I'd like to give you the opportunity to do that right now by praying a sinner's prayer. It's a very simple prayer, and it goes like this. Lord, thank you so much for loving me. Thank you for going to the cross and dying for my sins. I open up my heart. I ask you to come in. Please forgive me for everything that I've done and help me to walk with you as I follow you in my life. In Jesus' name, Amen. If you prayed that prayer, we would love to connect with you and help you as you start your life in Christ. Please visit thebestnews.org.